0: The reading is taken from Exodus, chapter 19, verses 1 to 9. At Mount Sinai, in the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession." Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said.
1: Continuing on the book of Exodus, at uh, chapter 19, Mount Sinai, and it's verses 16 to 25. On the morning of the third day, There was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the front of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from, from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up, and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perished. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves to the Lord, will break out against them. Moses said to thee, Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us. Put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. This is the word of the Lord.
2: The mountains are important in the Bible. There's lots of references and um, it's going to be really exciting just to discover a little bit more about some of those mountains over the next few weeks. I grew up surrounded by mountains in Scotland and it's amazing how you get used to a particular scenery. I was very used to going out for a walk and seeing the highlands beginning. I lived in Stirling and it's called the Gateway to the Highlands so I could look out and begin to see some of the lower Um, mountains that were then heading up. And the further north in Scotland you get, the more beautiful and the more dramatic the mountains become. And we might think we've got some lovely hills around here, but they are only hills, aren't they? I mean, St Martha's Hill is not exactly a mountain. But mountains are dramatic and staggering. And um, and as I say, it changes your your scenery. But after a while, you get used to it. Uh, One summer, Paul and I spent time in Geneva. Paul was working there. We were there for a couple of months when the boys were very little. And from Geneva, on occasions you can see Mont Blanc, but you can't see it all the time. And it's the most amazing thing because suddenly it comes out of the climb and everybody stops and looks because you can't see it all the time. And you think, gosh, so there's Mont Blanc. And you stop and you look at it and you get this amazing mountain peak covered in snow all the time. The mountains are dramatic and amazing. And in the Bible, they hold a special place. They are places of holiness where God did some amazing things. So we're going to um, learn a little bit more about Mount Sinai. I had to do some research because I didn't know much about it. So can we have the PowerPoint up, Nick? Here are some of the facts about Mount Sinai. So it's 7,497 feet high. Well, in Scotland, the highest mountains are just over 4,000 feet. So it's pretty high. I mean, again, our landscape in this country, we, we forget just how dramatic these mountains are. It's also known as Mount Horeb, and it's located on the Sinai Peninsula of Egypt. At the moment, there's a, a monastery, St. Catherine's Monastery, on this place as well, and a lot of people go and visit there. And it's, again, a place of retreat to go and draw closer to God um, because of the, you know, the implications and the, the relevance of it as a place. And it would take about three hours to climb by foot. Probably if you're fairly active, it might take me a lot longer to climb by foot. But it's not a short trip that Moses took. He didn't just nip up in ten minutes. This was quite a journey to be up there, then spend time, and then to come back down. And that was relevant when we remember what happened to the people at the bottom who began to forget all about what was going on all the time that Moses was up there. They sort of forgot, because he seemed to be gone for quite some time got a a map. Thank you. So here it is. And the journey in red is the journey that the Israelites made. So they were captive in Egypt. They were working there as slaves. And Moses was the, the prophet who was able to release them, went to Pharaoh and said, God says, you've got to let my people go. And all the plagues came upon them. And eventually Pharaoh said, yes, you can go. And they had to cross the Red Sea, and that dramatic story of the sea parting and God's people being able to move into the promised land. But their journey hadn't stopped. They had a lot of wandering to do. And for 40 years, they spent time in the desert before they ended up in the promised land. And this is the journey that they took, or so people think now, tracing it back, archaeologists, working out the route that they would have taken. And at this point, they've reached... Mount Sinai. And it's particularly famous because of the the next picture. Yeah, this is a picture of the mountain itself. I mean, it is incredibly dramatic, isn't it? Not much vegetation on it in the middle of the desert. And then the final slide. It's where the Ten Commandments were given. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. So what's been happening up until now? And what's been going on for God's people? I wanted to so it's a very similar reading to the one we've heard, but it takes us back a little bit further, and it comes from the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it will remind us what had been going on for God's people before they got to this mountain. So there they all were, grannies, granddads, babies, uncles, aunts, children, mums and dads, out there in the middle of the desert. They had blisters from all the walking. They were hungry and thirsty and much, much too hot. We don't like it, they said. It stinks. And so did they, for that matter, because no one had taken a bath in weeks. Now remember, because this is something that God's people had forgotten. God had done amazing things for his people. Here's some of the things that he'd done. He'd hidden them inside a cloud. He'd moved the sea. He'd set them free. But God's people still weren't happy. They didn't care about being free. Wasn't it better when they were slaves? At least then they'd had lots of nice food to eat. God doesn't want us to be happy, they said. It was the same lie that Adam and Eve had heard all those years before. God has brought us out here to kill us. God doesn't love us. But they didn't know God very well, did they? Every day of their journey, God kept on showing his people how well he would look after them, if they would trust him and obey him. When they were hungry, God made the sky rain with food, bread coming down from heaven. What is it, they asked each other. They didn't know, so they called it. What is it? Manna. Which, of course, is a very good name for something when you don't know what it is. When they were thirsty and started quarrelling, God made water flow from a rock. Moses called that place quarrelling because that seemed like a good name too. And still, God's children didn't trust him or do what he said. They thought they could do a better job of looking after themselves and making themselves happy. But God knew there was no such thing as happiness without him. So God led them to a tall mountain. God wanted to talk to his people and show them what he was like. He wanted to help them know him better and tell them about the special land he was going to give them. The whole earth belongs to me, God said. But I've chosen you. You are my special family. I want you to live in a way that shows everyone else what I'm like, so they can know me too. God called Moses up the mountain. The great mountain shook. A thick cloud fell. Thunder roared. Lightning crackled. And God gave Moses ten rules god called commandments i want you to love me more than anything else in all the world and know that i love you too god told them that's the most important thing of all god gave them other rules like don't make yourselves pretend gods don't kill people or steal or lie the rules showed god's people how to live and how to be close to him and how to be happy they showed how life worked best God promises to always look after you, Moses said. Will you love him and keep these rules? We can do it, yes, we promise. But they were wrong. They couldn't do it. No matter how hard they tried, they could never keep God's rules all the time. God knew they couldn't, and he wanted them to know it too. Only one person could keep all the rules. And many years later, God would send him to stand in their place and be perfect for them. Because the the rules couldn't save them. Only God could save them. Imagine what that mountain must have looked like. Cloud and smoke and thunder and lightning and noise. It must have been terrifying. There was always a sense in the Old Testament that when people met God, it was dramatic. Moses had already met God in the burning fire. And here he meets them on top of a mountain where it's almost like a volcano and terrible weather. And God comes. And there's a sense in all this dramatic picture of God's holiness. Only Moses could climb the mountain. The other people couldn't. Because to look at God in all his holiness, they couldn't do it. Because we're not perfect, because there's so much wrong in our lives, we can't come into face-to-face contact with God. And Moses was allowed to go up, and only he could meet God. But in clouds, and smoke, and thunder, and lightning, how amazing for him. And he received these rules, these commandments, that God said, this is the way to live. And sometimes we think that those rules were because God's a bit of a, 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 you know, he doesn't really want us to have fun. But actually, he gave the rules because he loves us. Because God knows that, we want to, that he wanted us to live with him. But we can't do that on our own. So to begin with, he said, I'm going to set you a way of living. A way of life that means you can be close to me. And he said, do you promise to do that? And they said, yes, of course we promise. But while Moses was still on the mountain, the people were forgetting who God was and beginning to turn to other idols. Because we're fickle. We go with what looks best at the time, and God knew that that would be the case. And so He knew that one day there'd be another way. He'd send another person, Jesus, to stand in our place. The only person who could be perfect, who could stand in our place, who would die for us, so that actually no longer do we need to have that sense of rules. We live. We want to live a certain way because we love God, but we can draw close to God because of what Jesus has done for us. So Mount Sinai was that place of meeting God, where Moses met God face to face. And it also was the place where God said, I love you, and I love you so much, that I want you to live a particular way of life, not because I don't want you to have fun, but because I know what's best for you. And I love you. And here's the way, here's the direction The way in which you can have fun. If you're into football, you know the need for a referee. Suddenly Thomas looks up. Football. If I came out to your football team, Thomas, I don't know the rules of football. And just let you do whatever you wanted. Would that be a satisfactory game of football? Probably not. No, because I don't know the rules. Somebody might kick it offside and I wouldn't know, and it'd be a goal, and the other team would be complaining, saying, But it shouldn't be a goal because they were offside. And I said, Well, I don't know. Do whatever you want. There'd be a riot because I don't know the rules. And actually, the rules of football are there so that actually you can have a proper game and a good game. And God said, I've got a way of living for you, a good way of living because I love you and I want you to know me and spend all your time with me. And this is the way that you do it. And that's why Mount Sinai is so important. God met Moses face to face. God, the holy God, actually met Moses, which is incredible. And said, here you are, a way to draw closer to me so that all of you can actually meet with me and know me in your lives. We're going to worship that holy God with two songs. Please stand. Thank mm-hmm.